This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome into the MVFC First and Goal podcast. I'm Kelly Burke, and if you follow FCS football at all, you are likely familiar with today's guest. Brian McLaughlin is the FCS coordinator for Hero Sports and their lead writer. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you on this uh, fine summer day? Yeah, boiling hot, just <laughs> like you are. I mean, this you know the temperatures down here in Florida. So, uh, but thank you for the introduction, and we're we're happy to be a part of this. Um, we have mucho respect for Mike Kern and, and the Missouri Valley crew, so it's uh, it's just great to be a part of what you're doing. Mike is undoubtedly one of the, the best guys in the sport. Yes. You started covering FCS football in 2015, and yes. your bio says it was love at first sight. Why? <laughs> Why? Um, well, you know, I started working with uh, what was then known as Bennett Rank, um, which is uh, it's actually an algorithm based rating system started by our owner, Greg Bennett, who's like a genius with these things. And then they rebranded that summer for Hero Sports. And I had had a lot of experience covering um, really power five conference recruiting for the sporting news and uh, had helped the guys with bowl game coverage and regular season also. Um and they said, well, because of your experience, what would you like to tackle this fall? Would you like to be our lead blogger for Power 5 as we were just getting started? And I said, you know, not really, um, because it's it's saturated. Um, there's too many people doing it, and it would be very, very hard to, you know, get into that market. But I told them, I was like, I'm really interested in, in the 1AA FCS level because, to me, you know, that year was the year Carson Wentz was coming up. And, and, and I'm, you know, North Dakota state is on ESPN game day and, you know, James Madison went on ESPN game day that fall. And I just remember thinking this, this is such an undercovered as a, you know, all season long undercovered thing. And, and like, this could be a thing where we could have access to the programs, but these are also programs that are producing NFL uh, talent and, you know, beating power five teams. And, and yet, you could call them up and they'll put their star player on the phone in five minutes to write a story. Yeah. And I just thought, what a, what a cool, it's like, it was like the best of both worlds. I, I used to cover high schools and I loved the access, but I also loved covering high end, you know, college athletics. Um, but the access was always tough. So it was like a marriage of the best two parts of those two worlds, you know, and, and that is exactly how it's been the whole time. How have you seen the consumption and coverage of FCS football change over the last three years or so? Um, I, you know, I, I'd like to think that we've helped that some. Um, you know, Craig Haley at Stats Inc. has done a wonderful job and, and for years and is very well respected in, in what we do. And we know Craig really well, really like him. Um, but I think we've brought, you know, a different type of a different type of, of coverage uh, to it. it. It's way more driven by social media and, and interaction with fans. And um, that's part of what we wanted to do from the beginning. And, and we've been doing that. We've seen the, the analytics prove that it's working. 
And here we are, and, and we were able to bring on two really, really talented guys full time and Chase Kitty and Sam Herter, who is uh, in Fargo. So um, we're, we're ready to take the next step with that. What specifically is most important to your readers? Um, well, I mean, I, I guess if, if you look at it from the collective standpoint, I get the feeling it's just, uh, you know, shoot straight with them. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, you know, don't sugarcoat and blow smoke. <laughs> if I could, if that's a good uh, description, yeah. you know, Hey, say it, say the truth. If, if a team's overrated, say it, um, you know, if a team is underrated, say it and, and be kind of that neutral voice. Uh, I, when it comes to individual team fan bases, it's really been just the <laughs> feed the beast. You know, we say that a lot, feed the beast. They, they want to, they want to see content, and we've noticed that a lot of alumni bases have really responded to that. You're living proof, but what do you attribute the growing interest and in consumption of FCS football to? Um, I'd say a couple things. Number one, um, it, the exposure that it's getting uh, from like the being on ESPN three, I think it's big. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I mean, think about how we all consume you know, uh, college athletics and, and to be able, and everybody can log on to the computer and, and pay 10 bucks a month to see pretty much any FCS game they want to. That's been a big thing. Um, I think just the fact that we have the digital world and we can all focus on something as big as FCS nationally and maybe bring everybody into one spot, you know, I think that's been kind of a newer thing. And um, it just, you know, you get into things like recruiting where, uh, you know, schools in the FCS level are getting, like, it's happening right now as we speak. They're getting three-star recruits, which is like landing a five-star recruit for an FCS school. They're beating Power 5 schools for recruits. So the quality is going up. There's more more, uh, more of these kids are going uh, to the NFL, getting a shot, and then we're seeing more and more upsets of Power 5 and FBS schools. And I think all of that is, has driven things up. And, hey, ESPN Game Day for the last five years I hadn't heard either. So, Absolutely, and it'll be interesting yeah. to see where they decide to go this year. Uh, yeah, and I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all by Fargo if by midseason things are going the way we kind of all think they will, you know. Um, wouldn't surprise me because every time they go there, the response is incredible, and they love it. So No doubt. You are in the midst um, with Chase and Sam of previewing every FCS football team for the upcoming season, in- mm-hmm. including several Valley teams this week. Mm-hmm. How much of an undertaking was that? Uh, we're certifiably nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, you know, I, I sold the guys, you know, they, we, we announced them in early June and I sold them both on, hey guys, you know, if you got all your ducks in a row, this should be a thing. It takes, you know, 30, 45 minutes of school. First day, Chase hits me up and goes, you're crazy. This is way more than that. Because, you know, we're trying to verify. We want to make sure, obviously, that they're accurate. Um, that the kids are coming back that, you know, we, we saw as underclassmen last year and you wouldn't be, you'd be surprised how many don't, um, for various reasons. I mean, some, some kids just decide to opt out of their senior year and go into the working force, which is a little different than the SEC, you know? Um, but it's been a big undertaking, but you know what? Uh, we're, we're educating ourselves every single day. It's a 62 day process for 125 schools we'll have three on the final day to round out the 125 and um i i've i've actually thoroughly enjoyed it it's a lot of work but uh we're hitting the nitty-gritty of this and and when it comes time to 
be talking about it in August, uh, you know, in ramping things up with the fans. Uh, we're going to be very educated on every single school in the country. So that was the goal. The fans um, are definitely paying us back by uh, engaging in what we're putting out there. And it's created chatter that I don't think usually happens in, in June uh, when we started it. So uh, it's been uh, very well received. I can speak for myself in saying I love it. And not only because of the Valley aspect, but because you get to read about teams, you know, maybe that you're not very familiar with and some of the other conferences that you maybe are going to see in a non-conference game in September. Yeah, I, I like it. I, you know, and, and we're trying not to be boring with it. Um, and when I say that, I, I, you know, we can list uh, who the returning starters are and that sort of thing. I, we've been trying to insert um, some personality into these, you know, let's, let's have some swagger in it. I mean, if, if there's something to brag about on this team, let's brag about it. And I think that makes it a little more personable. Um, it's a little, I'll tell you this, you know, Kelly, it's a little different than doing, I know what I was doing in newspapers 20 years ago where, um, you know, we would be crossing a line. Well, guess what? The world has changed. Um, this is a business and we're here to feed the beast. And if they want to hear that their secondary is, is top flight and, going to shut people down, we'll say it. Whereas you, you just didn't say that stuff in print 20 years ago. It was, it was kind of anti-journalism. Yeah. So we, we have a lot more fun with this than I would say I had at other stops in my career. And, um, and, and I think we're still being informative, but we're, you know, we're putting a little swagger in it, which is the whole idea from the, in the first place of uh, when we rebranded, we wanted to have some personality. So that's great. What Sam Herder is obviously your specifically Valley football guy, mm -hmm. but what do you feel like from a general sense of the three biggest storylines in the Missouri Valley football conference this season? Um, I, you know, I think the, the obvious one is, can anybody challenge, uh, the bison? Um, I do think in 2019 that there will be a lot of parody in the Valley, but you know, on paper, it's hard to see there being a lot of parity in the Valley, but, and this is a point that Sam will make over and over again. And, and, and he's right. Uh, they've only had one undefeated team, 2013. Um, but on paper, even Sam, who was on campus as a student and then covered the team, you know, as a reporter has said, he thinks this team looks as much like the 2013 team as any. Interesting. And, and so I really think I, that'll be the thing. Okay. Even when we think North Dakota State's going to run run the gauntlet, um, it seems like somebody always trips them up. Mm -hmm. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Now, do I think they will lose? You know, come in second in the valley? No, but I could see them. You know, you never know. Somebody, you know, South Dakota came in there a couple of years ago as a losing team and knocked them off. So that's one talking point. I think you know the next thing is who's second, and that you know last year I felt very solid about South Dakota State being second. Mm -hmm. uh, this year. It's tougher. It's a tougher call because South Dakota State returns a bunch. Northern Iowa does. Illinois State and Youngstown had to be the best two six-win teams in the nation last year. Pro probably could have made an argument for them to make the playoffs ahead of teams with eight or nine wins in other conferences. So, it's you know, who's second? I think that's your next talking point. And then probably the last thing is I you look up and down the board, and aside from, I think, one school – uh, and that would be South Dakota with Chris Streveler, which is a big loss. It seems like almost every quarterback is back, which tells you, you know, that's that's a big deal in college athletics. So, uh, you know, I think the only other one that has just a part-timer back is Youngstown. 
the other, uh, what is it, uh, eight or nine teams or whatever left over, they all have their starters back. So, yeah, I think I think the only other one, okay. the only other one I can think of is Indiana State brought in yeah. a transfer, and I know that two of the guys that were there last year splitting quarterback duties have have left the program. But you're you're right. I mean, the majority, you know, and we're not even talking just marginal quarterbacks. We're talking right. very elite quarterbacks. Absolutely. I mean, Easton Stick, Eli Dunn, Taron Christian, Sean McGuire, um, you know, Jake Colby. <laughs> I mean, you know, Southern Illinois had two combined for ten starts. So you, you just you run down the list. These are quality programs. You put any of these programs in uh, it, almost at any other conference in the FCS and their playoff teams. So, and then they all bring their quarterbacks back. So, I think that's gonna that's gonna make for some interesting storylines this year. And to go back to your second point, you mentioned Illinois State and you mm-hmm. mentioned Youngstown State, and I think factoring into how those two teams fare is the fact that they have a lot of new coordinators, you know, and different yeah. new people on their coaching staff. And so how is that going to affect them offensively and defensively? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's always going to be a big, <laughs> you know, a big, uh, a big concern. But I think in general, those two programs, uh, this is going to sound like coach speak and I hate that. And sorry, I apologize ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's, uh, there is, they, they both do what they do and they do it well, which is, they play really strong defense, and you know they 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 pound you black and blue style. This is these these are not finesse programs, and I don't think anything's really going to change with Rock's back and Bo Pelini uh, when it comes to that sort of thing. They're going to be very physical programs, no matter who's in charge. Um, there might be a little bit of a scheme shakeup, but in general, these are two really good winning programs. And you got to think they jump back into the mix of being playoff teams this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of how many, you know, ticking time bombs are on the schedule in front of them and, and how they handle those. Because that valley, you cannot sleep. Uh, it's, you have to be, you know, ready for every road trip. It doesn't matter if you're going to a bottom half team or, or what. So uh, I think that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. The Valley is often referred to as the SEC of the mm-hmm. F- of the FCS. And so which conference, you know, you might get some arguments right now from, from the CAA, but which conference do you see taking a big step forward this year in closing that gap? Uh, big Sky is a no-brainer this year. They... They, they were a little off last year, and you could argue they were a little off for the last two years, but last year they were definitely off. And, um, you know, this, and that, that was because a lot of the programs were young. This year, I, you know, we wrote an article the other day, Chase kind of spearheaded it, um, that you could make an argument that two thirds of the big sky will be in the playoff discussion. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only question is, do they chop each other up so much that it, it keeps it from growing from a number of playoff teams wise? Like, I, th- I think it's universally accepted that in the Valley, if you're a seven win team, you're in. And maybe, depending on what the dynamics around the country are, if you win six, you're, you could get in, which we've seen before with Illinois State the year before last and I think Western Illinois before that. Um, and those programs either came really close to winning their first round game or won it. So, uh, but with the big sky, it's not a lock to win seven and get in. Eastern Washington found that out. Montana found that out. And Sacramento State found that out last year. So I don't know that the big sky is on the level where they can chop each other up like the Valley does 
and get a bunch of seven-win teams in. I think what they really have to have happen is some teams emerge and, and, and really make a statement kind of like Weber State and Southern Utah did last year. Uh, I don't know that parity is a great thing for the big sky, but I think there's going to be a ton of it and there's going to be some good teams in that conference as a whole is going to step up. We've both mentioned Sam Herter already on this podcast. He's your Valley football writer. What kind of coverage mm-hmm. do you have planned for him as we head into fall camp in the season? Well, I mean, you know, with Chase and Sam, we'll, we'll have kind of a, a template of what we want to do during the week, but those guys are going to be, you know, we trust them. Uh, they're not, while, while, while they are new hires as far as full-time contract, they've worked with us. The reason they're on board is because they're good. Yeah, and and I remember sitting in Frisco after the title game, and all of us kicking back in the hotel room that night. And our editors started bringing up what we might do this year, and they asked me about both of them, and I, and I said, please, yes, I would please bring him on. They're good. So Sam's going to do a lot of, you know, if he comes up with a great idea, uh, like he's working on one he just came up with today, which is, uh, you know, nailing down the greatest traditions in the FCS level. I mean, we're sitting here just a bit after the 4th of July, and these guys are attacking storylines, which, you know, fun stuff to get people talking early, you know, two months early. And uh, so Sam will be doing, uh, you know, he'll be hitting the the top storylines. You know, what if we have an upstart team in the Valley, like a Southern Illinois, uh, you know, be in the mix for the first time in years? You know, I think he'll be over some, you know, all over something like that. He'll be all over uh, North Coast State since he's in town. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. And look, the North Dakota State fans, uh, uh, they eat up what we're doing. And so we're, you know, we're going to want to uh, give them the coverage that their fan base asks for. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, and, and they're, they're very, very supportive. And it's uh, so Sam will do a lot of North Dakota State stuff, obviously, as a front runner. Um, but uh, we'll do things like recapping. On, fr- on Saturday night, I think one of the things you'll see consistently out of us is let's take a look at the playoff picture after what we just saw today. It's one of the most well-received things we do on Saturdays. And I don't care if I'm sitting there at 2 a.m. pounding that out. Um, that is something that our readers have proven that they want feedback on. So that's something we'll be focusing on. I'll, I'll tell you one thing we probably won't do a lot of with our actual human beings, because we actually have a computer formula for this, is a lot of Meat and potatoes. Here's the leading rusher. Here's the leading passer. Um, we have a system in place that's going to actually produce previews. Oh, no kidding. Uh, really? Yeah, absolutely. That's part of, part of what we're going to be. And and so, uh, you know, we will focus more on the analytical, the the opinion, um, the swagger. Uh, you know, let's make a, let's say something. And that's something I think those two will be really good at. And that's something I will focus on, too. Is, um, let's just let's. You know, we watch this stuff. We talk to these people all week. Um, we're neutral. I know I'm neutral. Some people are going to say Sam <laughs> isn't being in Fargo. And Chase is at James Madison. He's a graduate. Well, I'm a Florida grad, so I don't have any dogs in that hunt. I'll just say it like it is. And, and those two will be, too. Yeah. They're very professional. And um, uh, th- we all want the same thing. We just want this to be a, a big success. And we love this level. We don't love a particular school, but we do love this level. That's, that's the best way I can put it. My conversation with Brian McLaughlin continues in just a second, but if you're enjoying this edition of the MVFC First and Gold podcast, check out all the lineup media group offerings, sports and non-sports podcasts. Now back to the show. Brian, outside of the Valley, 
Name one FCS football team that you think will surprise teams this season and why? Um, I guess in contract, let, uh, let's go with uh, maybe a team. Uh, how about one team that was in the playoffs last year and one that wasn't? Okay. Uh, all right. Um, one that wasn't, and they should have been, uh, is Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. And, and, and on paper, like I'm looking at them right now in the big sky and thinking they've got to be called the front runners. Uh, they won seven last year. You know, two of their losses were to Texas Tech and to North Dakota State. Now, they, they weren't close, but they were early, and the team was kind of young, and they got pounded. And But then they kind of caught fire, and they won seven of their last nine. Um, but they didn't get the playoffs. I, you know, their, Gage, their quarterback, Gage Gruber, is, is not only a elite FCS quarterback. He's an elite Division One slash NFL prospect type quarterback. So um, I think you're going to want to keep an eye on them. They are definitely going to make the playoffs. They are, I think, at worst, a Final Four type team. Oh, really? Just my, just my opinion. Yep. Kind of, kind of on the level. You know, we saw that playoff run by Weber State last year, and you could kind of see as the as things as things were going along, Weber State jumped off the page in the terms of defense and having the best special teams unit in the nation. And in the playoffs, those things come into play. And what did they do? They went to JMU and nearly knocked off the defending champs. They were just as physical is JMU and, and really had them on the ropes. Uh, I kind of think Eastern Washington is that team this year. And, uh, you know, another really is Delaware, which was the other playoff snub. Um, they had almost no offense last year, but they held Virginia Tech to 20 points, 20 to nothing. Uh, now they have an offense. They've got a transfer quarterback. Uh, they, Danny Rocco's had a year. Delaware is a traditional FCS power, and I think they will be in the mix. Um, and both those programs were snubs. Now, of the teams that made the playoffs, uh, one that jumps off the page to me is Samford down in Alabama uh, out of the Southern Conference. They uh, they have – we had Devlin Hodges, their quarterback, as the first team FCS quarterback. A lot of people from North Dakota State were screaming about that <laughs> with, with, yeah, with Easton Stick. And a lot of people from Eastern Washington were screaming about it because of Gage. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, a, you know, you see Davis, Jake Myers throwing a Keelan Doss. You can make an argument for him. You can make an argument for Kalen Newton, Cam Newton's little brother up at Howard, Lamar Renard at North Carolina A&T. There's a lot of good quarterbacks this year. I think the best one is at Sanford. Uh, I think he's going to pass for more than 4,000 yards this year. Uh, he's got his best couple targets back. Uh, that team has gotten a lot better on defense. And I think that that's a program that could be kind of a top five team all year. But again, they also have parity issues in the SOCON where if they go on the road and mess up a couple times, they could fall. So that's something to keep an eye on. But um, I guess those would be a couple of them with my big dark, my big dark horse for you is UC Davis. Okay. That that I just mentioned with, with Jake Meyer and Keelan Doss. Keelan Doss is arguably the top NFL prospect in the FCS this year. He's a great kid. Uh, and they got Dan Hawkins coaching his alma mater. And, you know, Dan's the one that built up Boise State. Yeah. what we know. So you got that. And Dan's, I mean, he is, he's an outside-the-box thinker. You just kind of look at that and you go, man, you know, something's brewing there. They may have gone five and six last year, but they've really got something special cooking. Um, so they didn't make the playoffs. That'd be another team I, I think you might want to keep an eye on. Okay. Yeah. Shifting back to the Valley for a second, which Valley football team intrigues you this season the most and why? Southern Illinois. Um, the reason 
is, uh, you know, I've gotten to know Coach Hill pretty well. Uh, he recruits the Tampa Bay area. Mm-hmm. So I've uh, had a chance to sit down with him um, over a cold root beer here and there. <laughs> nice. And, and Nick, you know, the thing I love about the way Nick recruits, uh, as you know, being in Florida, the talent down here is just insane. Oh, totally. And and, and, and the smart teams know that. I mean, duh, everybody knows that. It's just a matter of whether that's, uh, you know, a focus point for them. Well, Southern Illinois has always done well in Florida. Yeah, you know, I can tell you, going back to my newspaper days, SIU was always in the areas that I covered. And they are getting talent out of um, – they don't go that far. They don't even go to Miami. It's just they, they like Tampa and they like Orlando mm-hmm. and everything in the, the I-4 corridor. North Dakota State does the same thing. And a lot of their – you know, Bruce Anderson is from the Tampa Bay area. You know, a bunch of their guys are. But SIU, I, you know, they've been kind of sitting there at like four and seven. But then you look at their schedule last year, and they destroyed Illinois State. And yeah. Just looking at that going, man, the potential. And then you look at their roster, and they're so young. Because the last couple recruiting classes, uh, you know, that he that Nick has hauled in have been very, very good. And a lot of the guys that are making plays, you know, Jeremy Chin, you know. I mean, you, you look at their, their roster, and you go, okay. This looks like an improving team, but will the Valley allow them to ascend? <laughs> that's, the, yeah, that's the only problem. Number right? one question. <laughs> that's, will, it, will there be enough room to squeeze, you know, upwards in that? Well, I think, you know, this year, um, you know, I, w- Western Illinois was just an absolute beast last year. But they've lost some really good players, you know, and they've had a coach change. Not a nasty coach change because it's been a smooth transition. But, you know. If there is room for one or two teams in the top half to switch, I think Southern Illinois could be that team. But, you know, Missouri State's, I think, got more starters returning than anybody. And they've been right on the cusp, you know. So those are two, you know, that the last couple years have been kind of down. But it'll be interesting to see if they compete with with the top half this year. It's funny you mentioned that Illinois State game because I can't remember what game we were covering that week. It obviously wasn't that one, but mm-hmm. we saw the score after we finished our game and we're like, this this can't be right. Then you see that same Illinois State team, I don't know, three weeks later or something, and we have their game at Youngstown State for our game of the week, and they come in and just take the woodshed to Youngstown yeah. State on the road. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was like some of those head scratching games that you're like, what is going on? Yeah, it, it, but that's the nature of it. And that's why uh, you don't, and I mean, you, you brought up the comparison with the SEC. And, and, and uh, of course, we like to call the SEC the valley of the FBS. Yeah. <laughs> but they, you know, they, if you're in the SEC, and I learned this as a Florida student and covering the teams, um, I remember being a student when Spurrier was there and, you know, there'd be a trip up to Kentucky or Vandy or, or Ole Miss, or Mississippi State. And, you know, on paper, you'd sit there and look at that and go, oh, you know, that, that's, that's, that'll be a win. And then, <laughs> then you go to Starkville, Mississippi, and they tear you up. And that's the way, you know, that's the way the Valley is, especially on the road. It just, uh, you don't have an easy game. And Southern Illinois, you know, proved that last year. You can't sit there and look at them and go, Oh, they're three and eight every year. That's an easy win. <laughs> you think that, and you are going to lose, and, uh, and that's what happened. So um, that's just the nature of that conference. I'm glad that you had a chance to meet and talk to Nick in person. I'm unabashedly a big fan of his, and I covered him 
when I was at the local TV station when he was still playing in the mm-hmm. arena league for the Predators down in Orlando. So I, I got to know him that way. And so we're old friends from that. And then, you know, now I'm his wife is one of my best friends. So oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm biased a little bit, but I've, <laughs> I've always been even, you know, dating back to when I covered him. Um, he's, he's just a wonderful person. Um, he's a great coach and, you know, I obviously would like to see him have success this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you, you know, I, I dabble in recruiting and that's generally what I hear from the kids too. Uh, they're obviously, you know, I mean, Nick is a younger coach and he, he speaks, uh, you know, he, he can speak the language with the recruit and that's big. I mean, I, I'm not saying you can't have a guy in his 60s who's just a, an amazing X's and O's guy and knows how to talk to the parents and then have some assistant coaches that can get – well, Nick can do all of that, you know. And uh, and I think that that is why – that's why I think Southern Illinois is going to be a player. I really – I mean, again, some of the recruits they were getting, uh, you know, uh, with Anthony Knight and, and, and Jeremy Chin and just uh, Davis with the, you know, the return yeah, man. DJ, just yeah. It just they 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 are really adding talent that uh, you know he had to use them early. Uh, maybe they were his best players. It wasn't just a depth thing. It was just this is the best talent, and that's going to pay off at some point down the line. That's going to pay off, and I think the big question is: is this the somewhere down the line year? Is it one more year? Um, but at some point, that's going to happen, and uh, and we all know you you especially that that program has had good times. I mean, that's a good program. So uh, it's just been a victim of its conference in, in recent years. So no doubt. And I mean, it can only, it can only help too that Jerry kill is now the athletic director at Southern. He's, single-handedly responsible him and his staff for turning around the SIU football program when he was there years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, Sit there and go, hey, man, kind of like having Jim Tressel, you know, uh, around the program and uh, in, at Youngstown. You know, granted, it's not as AD, but, you know, he's the president, you know. So um, it's just uh, I it, I think that does help. It, it, and you know that you somebody's got your back, you know, and Jerry Kill made his name there before moving on. So, um, yeah, I that is just a that's a program I'm really interested in seeing what happens. Um, and it's same with Missouri State with Coach Stack. I mean, uh you know, and and you know what? Hey, let's just spread all the love around. Indiana State has as many recruits as any team in the nation committed right now. I saw you. I, That's you, amazing. Yeah, you tweeted you tweeted a graphic out maybe a yes. month ago about that, and I I was blown away when I saw it. Yeah, and we all know. Look, the Mallory name is not unknown. I mean, I think the writing's on the wall with that too. Yeah. Um, you can tell that they're. There's an energy there. I don't care if they went 0-11 last year. They're, they are doing a great job of selling that program. Uh, and, and, you know, I, just to dive into, you know, the last time I saw this, two years ago, I was seeing that kind of energy with the Austin P recruits. And this past year, like I, you, when you talk to the kids picking Austin P, it's like this program hasn't won in like three years. Why are you, why are you bypassing FBS offers to go to this? And all the kids are like, because I just, I love the coaching staff. They just, they're so fired up about what's going to happen and me being a part of it. Well, the same thing's happen, happening with Indiana State. And uh, Coach Mallory is, whatever it is he's doing and saying, it's working. Because they had, at last I checked was last week, they had 12 on board. Um, you know, 
two, three years ago, FCS teams didn't have one guy on board in July. Um, and that's a whole nother discussion about the early signing period. But it's having an effect. And some of these teams are really taking advantage of them and, and of those new uh, signing rules in December. Indiana State, South Dakota State, North Dakota State have all just done a, an amazing job there. But you kind of look at it and you go, Indiana State is right there with those two powers? Yes, they are. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think it helps, too, that Coach Mallory, he's he's got a very even-keeled personality. I mean, I can remember this past season, we had their season regular season finale game at Northern Iowa. You know, yeah. and, this, and th- at this point, they're 0-10. Um, and at halftime, you know, they're down big. Um, and had made a, a bunch of mistakes and kind of just shooting themselves in the foot. As you know from talking to coaches, the last thing you want to have to do is interview a coach at halftime when they're down uh-huh. 30 points. Um, and he just he couldn't have been nicer. You know, I mean, it, you just never know what you're going to get in that type of situation. And he was just so even keeled and just his outlook on everything. He just he's a he's the ultimate professional. Yeah, I, you know, obviously. And, and I think just that family name in Indiana in general mm-hmm. uh, is going to resonate. There's a reason everybody knows about them. And you can just you just see the writing on the wall that that improvements are going to happen. This is not just a placeholder situation. And um, hey, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have any necessarily have any expectations of how to be treated as a media member. But I sure appreciate it when uh, they do treat you like a human being. And does that go a long way? Well, we're human and uh, the Dale Car- Carnegie method works, you know, treat people nicely and it, it, it will probably come back to you at some point so um i think the good coaches get that kind of thing for sure yeah what does a typical fcs college football saturday look like for you in florida you know just in terms of games watched how how you're watching the games coaches you're talking to that sort of thing yeah you know that's one of the craziest things about this gig that's so different from you know the old days of being at a florida state game or a florida game or whatever um you know when I was at a newspaper, it was like, oh, you don't have time to keep track of anything else. Well, in this perspective, like we've kicked around, um, you know, attending more, more and more games as things continue to build with our business. But I can tell you in being able to chime in from a national perspective, uh, it's, it's really nice to be able to kind of keep an eye on a lot of the top games. And so I have approximately 27 screens. <laughs> I've got every old rickety screens from back in the 80s sitting at, no I, I mean I try to have as many open as possible wow. um, and and keep an eye on basically what I'm looking for is the biggest obviously the biggest storylines of the day and it's not necessarily from the individual base uh, of standpoint because we we're gonna have our weekly honors you know we're gonna recognize uh, the guy who throws for 400 yards now if somebody does something just insane you know that's one thing but we have play of the week for the big interception return. What I'm looking for is the big picture of how did today influence the championship picture? And, you know, the Ivy Leagues, the Ivy League doesn't go to the playoffs. So we have an Ivy League piece. How did today impact the Ivy League championship? Um, For the HBCUs, it's how did today impact the celebration bowl picture? Did anything change? Um, Did anything strengthen? And then obviously for the FCS playoff picture, I don't care if it's September. We'll talk about it. You know, did did we see a game that just woke us up? You know, um, and I I dig it. I mean, I it's it's very hard not to have your Saturdays, but at the same time, I enjoy it so much uh, that 
it is it, it's a fun way to spend a Saturday for what twelve weeks, and then you hit the playoffs, and it's even more intense. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of how I do it. Um, I'm just a little bit short of twenty seven screens, but you know, <laughs> I try to keep an eye on as many as possible. You have to take. You're gonna have to take a picture or something of yeah. your setup yeah, this year. Went and posted what it looks like. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I, would, I could get a, my eight year old son holding the laptop screen going, because <laughs> he he comes in here and he he wants to know what's going on too. He wants to he wants to travel and see all this stuff and. Uh, probably going to do that in the future so yeah he he comes in and joins me sometimes and um it it, it's it's unusual i have to tell you it is a little strange to sit here and think of of, uh you know monitoring them all from my home home office uh being the way that we do our coverage but the truth is uh it works (laughs) and we do talk to the programs during the week um but on saturdays we find that doing it in the method that we do it is more well-received than us being on a campus and getting the canned quotes afterwards in the little press conference. It's just, um, it's, it's just because we're covering it from the big picture standpoint. We're not Mm -hmm. covering just one school. Yeah. So, um, now when we get to the playoffs, uh, that'll be a different story. We're going to try to be places and, and we're, we, we brought five people to Frisco. So, uh, you know, that's a whole different, monster but um on a regular sunday uh, saturday we're we're uh, keeping track of all of it speaking of the playoffs do you see a scenario whether it's this year or in the future where the valley could eventually get six teams into the postseason oh I, you know and i hate saying this but i just think with politics it'll never happen yeah um you know i guess it's the big thing is uh, you know, there, I guess technically there would be scenarios where six Valley teams could be seven to eight wins um, with no nine, 10 or 11 win teams. And it, if the dynamics are correct around the country, now what you, you know, if if you're going to get a six win team in or, or six Valley teams with seven or eight wins in the dynamics around the country have to be perfect. I mean, you can't have Monmouth yeah. with nine, nine wins. Now, should Monmouth, Monmouth have made the playoffs? No. But, you know, they're a nine-win team. Uh, you know, how do you argue against it? You know, even McNeese State won nine. They didn't get in. Um, but it, so you, I think you've got to make sure you don't have some nine-win at-large teams in some of the weaker conferences. And if you don't, then you might see that scenario of, of six. But I would think that the – the committee would look at it and go, Oh, we don't want to be shot at, you know, (laughs) that that, that would be, that would be the one, you know, the one thing, but, but I'll I'll tell you this, if the sixth place team in the Valley um, is seven and four and they beat North Dakota state and they beat an FBS um, and you know, they lost four games in the Valley and went what four and four or whatever the scenario is. (sighs) come on, <laughs> you know, how do you leave that team out even though they're sixth place? You know, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that would start, you know, start a lot of, uh, that would start a lot of discussions about, okay, maybe we need more teams in the playoffs. Maybe, uh, maybe we have a more automatic way of determining this, whatever, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's not go there. It'll start problems. <laughs> Everybody will be fighting. It'll, yeah. be crazy. It'll make for great media, though, right? For us. Exactly. Yeah. Is there anything that you would change about the current FCS playoff format? Uh, I, I mean, my only complaint after covering this for three years, 
Uh, and I, I have said this a million times. I'm a, I'm a strength of schedule guy. Uh, that's why I tend to lean to the Valley, you know, getting another team in there. And, and, uh, and just to segue a little, when I talked to Brock Spack in the, in the spring, uh, we were talking about Devonte Harris right before the draft, but mm-hmm. when we jumped, you know, when we were done with the interview, he just said, uh, he goes, you know, um, you guys were the only ones even mentioning us, uh, when the playoffs came around, nobody else was even mentioning us. And he goes, and I thought that showed that you were really paying, you were really zeroed in and paying attention because we, you know, he, he kind of said, I know when I've got a good team and when I don't, I'll be honest with you. Our group probably could have beaten several of the teams, I mean, you know, or, or probably would have done something if we had been uh, let in. I don't know if he wanted me to say that, but yeah. just, there's a statute of limitations over. So, uh, <laughs> but he, he uh, I think he, he appreciated the fact that we respect strength of schedule when yeah. we discuss things and we don't get caught up in just win totals. And so to summarize, I kind of wish that that was, I don't know, that was a bigger factor um, because I, I didn't understand Monmouth. I didn't understand Northern Arizona over Eastern Washington. And then we saw what happened to these teams the minute they got on the field in the playoffs. Northern Arizona got slaughtered by a non-scholarship team. Slaughtered. Monmouth goes to Northern Iowa and, and got hammered. Um you know, I even question New Hampshire, even though they're kind of a traditional power and they're a black and blue team. I don't know about their team last year. I think Delaware should have had that spot, and I think Eastern Washington should have had more than Arizona spot. Um, so, uh, yeah, strength of schedule would be one thing, but I don't know how, how do you quantify that, you know? It's still subjective, so it, it's tough, but that's the biggest thing, I guess. Yeah. One of your colleagues had told me that you had, actually the last two seasons, have had a very unique experience in Frisco of being recognized. So yeah. could you share that story? Uh, well, it, look, I, I worked at the Sporting News. I picked the Parade All-American teams for a number of years, something I read when I was a kid, you know. And uh, so I thought those were pretty big gigs. Uh, nobody nobody recognized, recognized you. And that's fine. I wasn't expecting that. I, I never was. And then I, I get this, and I'm covering FCS, and we don't make it. 20 steps into the parking lot walking to the stadium for the game and people were stopping us and i was like man this is i mean the coolest thing about that is not the ego stuff it's man what we're doing is working i mean it it must be working because we kept we kept getting stopped <laughs> and and it, and it was happening with both sides both fan bases and i thought man whatever we're doing we must be touching on a nerve um, and they're not trying to kill us either. That was, they, but hey, even, even if that's the big one, us, yeah. I mean, you know, what do they say? All, all any attention is good attention. Um, and and trust me, if you go on Twitter, we can find some people that love to wring my neck. But um, but when we were walking, uh, everybody wanted one of our T-shirts, and we were handing those out. Uh, we brought some swag. Um, and I think that's part of like what we get. We get that this is the way it is today. Um, you know, people love to wear the hat of what they, you know, their a blog they like or whatever. And um, that got even bigger, uh, what, six months ago than it was the year before. Um, because now we had North Dakota State and JMU. Both fan bases have been very engaged in what we do. And it was one after another stopping. I mean, I was walking to the stadium and, North Dakota State fans were like, "Hey, you know." And I was trying to go back to 
going going back to the hotel after the game, I'm just walking by myself. It wasn't the group of five of us uh, trying to make any ruckus and saying anybody want a T-shirt. I'm just walking back to go file my stories. And this man came up and he said, I don't want to creep you out, but I'm from Arizona and I love what you do. <laughs> and I and I said, thank you so much. And I'm like, in Arizona, huh? He goes, yeah, we're uh, we're in Arizona, but we're North Dakota State fans. We go back for every game. I was oh. like, from Arizona? Wow, no kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And um, he said, just keep doing what you're doing. It's great. It's so fun to see, you know, somebody nationally doing this. So um, that has been, that's been amazing. And, and uh, it really, it's fun. It makes it a lot more fun. Hopefully, after the game or after you're done working some of the nights, you at least uh, took advantage and maybe some of those people bought you a beer or something, you know, like work it, work it at the bar or something. <laughs> you know, I've thought about that. You know, we're so busy, uh, as you know, mm-hmm. all the way up to the game yeah. because we, we attend the, um, the awards banquet. That's a big we, – we love being there. And, again, that's kudos to Craig Haley who lets us do that. I mean, technically, we're—I guess you'd say—we're his competition. But Craig's always been so cool about that, and Stats Inc. has been cool about letting us be there and letting us write about it. And meet, you know, meet the players and the, and the coaches and get the hobnob. Um, anyways, we're we're pretty slammed, and I would love to do that. Uh, you know, and that's just something we're going to have to coordinate this next time around. I think. <laughs> yeah, you're big into soccer. I am. How closely have you been following the World Cup? Uh, well, let's put it this way. Uh, it's kicking off in about, uh, 10 minutes here and <laughs> we're all, we're all, uh, squared away to, to watch the semifinal with France. We love France. Um, uh, many, 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 many pounds ago I played and, and I, and I've always covered the high school soccer when I was at the newspaper. And so I uh, went to state championships all the time and I got a chance to cover the United States men's national team in 06 up in Cary, North Carolina. And stayed in camp for a couple of days with Clint Dempsey there and uh, Timmy Howard and Landon Donovan and the whole crowd. Um, and then, you know, we just love soccer in our family. And my son is addicted to it. So uh, that's been kind of a rebirth with soccer for me is he's so into it that he can quote any statistic. And it's kind of pushed me back into doing doing that kind of stuff. So um, soccer's big deal in our family. That's Next FCS, that's uh, that's probably the the next big one, I guess you'd say. That's fun. And the good news is I only have one question <laughs> left, so I'm going to get you off the podcast just in time so you can catch that game before it starts. <laughs> so my, my last question for you is, do you have any major predictions for this FCS football season? Um, well, I, I don't feel like I'll be saying anything anybody else isn't already saying. You know, um, I think North Dakota – I'll be a little bit brash here. I think North Dakota State's going to win it this year, but I don't think they're going to win it next year. Uh, that that's probably the most brash statement I guess I could make about them. Uh, the the really interesting part though is who are they going to play, and that's I don't know. I just I don't know. Last year we predicted that matchup two days after the previous title game. We knew that that one was going to happen. Yeah, and it happened. Just you know, they didn't just beat people; they pounded people. Aside from JMU with uh, Weber State. This year, I just, I don't, there's like five teams that I could see making it through. Um, but I guess if I'm going to make a statement, let me throw this out there. Kennesaw State is going to be, and now they were a playoff team. They had a, a nice little run last year. Um, Kennesaw State is going to be a major factor, and I'm curious to see what they do and what side of the bracket they end up on 
and whether they have to face, you know, an NDSU earlier than the title game, um, that's going to be something to watch, I'd say, because everybody else is going to say NDSU is going to win it. And they're right. I mean, it, on paper, that's what it looks like. So is that does that qualify? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Brian, I, I appreciate you taking the time today. It's uh, fun to chat with you, and I look forward to, to meeting you in person here one of these days coming up. Um, and look forward, too, to the, the rest of the previews uh, the rest of the summer. I've enjoy, enjoyed them a lot so far. Yeah, thank, thanks for having us on, uh, not just me, but Sam also. And, uh, you know, if you have, ever have anything kind of in the eastern part of the country where you want to compare notes to you know, maybe how good is James Madison? Will North Dakota State match up? Chase Kitty's your guy. Okay. Um, he'll be covering the uh, Northeast. So um, we appreciate uh, you making us a part of this. No problem. If you like what you heard from Brian McLaughlin and our MVFC First and Gold podcast, please take a minute to share, subscribe, and leave a review. Lineupmedia.fm also is home to many other sports podcasts. Cast shows like Chase and Pucks with Panger, Two Birds on a Bat, and Behind the Eight Ball. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football's First and Goal with Kelly Bird, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.